Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to have you. Glad to have those of you who are watching live online right now with us as well. And uh, looking forward to a great morning with you. Hey, about, um, I don't know, five and a half years ago, my wife, Rika, and I were sitting on the couch in California. And at the time, we just had Cruz and Isabel, two kids. Faith had not shown up yet on the scene. And uh, we were sitting down with them saying, look, uh, our new friends in Cleveland have invited us to come live out there in Cleveland and uh, to have Daddy uh, be pastor at that church. Uh, what do you think about that? And they shared their thoughts with us, and uh, they were both reserved but also excited about the opportunity. And so I think for, you know, seven, eight-year-old kids, they were, they were pretty sober in understanding the situation. And so we sweetened the deal by saying, and if we do move to Cleveland, we're only going to be about eight hours from New York, and so we promise we'll take you there at some point, you know, to see Statue of Liberty and Empire State Building, all that stuff. Like, yeah, that sounds great. So they're definitely all in. And so this last week, it took us five years <laughs> to make good on our promise. Um, but, uh, you know, this last week we went to New York and just spent a little vacation there and just, you know, saw, you know, I'm sure we only scratched the surface, but we saw some of the cool stuff that was there and, and had a great time. And as anticipated, uh, New York is a fascinating city. There was lots to see. We enjoyed everything we had a chance to see. But one interesting observation from our time that's really just stuck with me and lingered with me over the last few days was this. Uh, the, the continual reminder that you can have thousands of people around you and still be alone. And it's so interesting how you can walk down these streets just jammed with people um, in constant contact with tons of people and walking down the street, no eye contact, you know, you bumped or you bumped somebody, there's no time for excuse me, there's no interaction whatsoever. And uh, getting on the subway, that that was interesting, Um, you know, uh, with with, uh, this thing jammed full of people, it's quiet, Right. And with devices, it just enhances all of that. Like we got into one cab, and the, you know, the cab driver had his Bluetooth on. I think he said, where to? And that was it. That's all I got. I sit right next to him. And uh, he just pretty much from that point on, I wasn't even there. You know, and I'm kind of a chatty guy. So there was no chatting with that dude. Um, subway, looking around, 80% of the people have got earphones on or earbuds in, right? And so it's quiet. Everybody's rocking out to the tunes or whatever. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting awkwardly close to this guy right in front of me. I'm like from here, and he's like here, and I'm like this, and he's a Jewish man. And I can see that he's on his Kindle reading, I think, the Torah. And so I said, Shalom, you know, with a nice voice. I got nothing. I'm like, I know I pronounced that correctly, you know, so I got nothing. You know? And so it was just that reminder that we can live life 15 inches, 15 inches in front of our face, absolutely oblivious to all the real people around us. Um, we are highly connected, yet still disconnected. Uh, we are in touch with hundreds of people, yet still out of touch. We live in an era that's a mile wide, but an inch deep when it comes to relationships. At a click of a button, we could span thousands of miles in an instant, yet still absolutely be distant. We can be alone in a crowd. We can be linked in, but isolated. We can be friends, and yet still strangers. We can have followers, but not have real friends. We can regularly post our highlight reel of our life, but never actually get a chance to be real with our life. Many of us right now are relationally confused, We're relationally suffering or we're relationally dissatisfied. And you know what? That is not the way God made us, is it? It's not the way God made us. It's not the way God designed us. God designed us to be in relationship. 
He made us relational. He made us conversational. And so we're to be in close relationship with God, and we're supposed to be in a close relationship with one another, to be known and to be loved and to love and to be vulnerable and to be conversational and intimate and to be face-to-face and heart-to-heart with other real living people. And so as I think about my relationships in life, I'm so grateful for my relationships. I'm so grateful for my relationship with my God that I'm his beloved child, and that he loves me. I'm so grateful for my relationship with my amazing wife and my precious kids and for my extended family and for my friends and and for you, my church family. I'm so grateful for all these relationships in my life. Are you grateful for the relationships in your life? Which relationships in your life are the most life-giving? Which relationships in your life are the most life-sucking? All right? Which relationships make you happy? Which relationships bring you pain? Which relationships are healthy? Which relationships are unhealthy? (laughs) Well, here's the deal. God wants us to experience happy relationships. He does. Man, you read the Bible, man, you're going to find the words joy and blessed all through those pages. God wants us to, to experience joy and happiness in our relationships. But in order to have that, we have to be fiercely chasing down and pursuing healthy relationships. And you can have a happy relationship and you can have a healthy relationship, but there's a whole other height of relationship we can experience. There's a whole, a whole other level of relational connectivity that we can experience if we take it one step further and pursue holy relationships. And when I say holy relationships, I mean that our primary mode And whatever relational context we're in is to please God first. Man, is the way I'm approaching this friendship pleasing God? Is the way I'm approaching this dating relationship pleasing God? Is the way I'm I'm parenting pleasing God? Is the way I'm honoring my parents pleasing God? Is is, Is the way I'm approaching my spouse pleasing God? All our relationships... Is there a holiness in them? Are we coming first with our primary goal to say, Lord, I want to please you? Because here's the deal. If you do that, you're going to reach a whole other level of healthiness in your relationships, and which will allow you to reach a whole other level of happiness in your relationships. But you've got to go after the holiness. And so the series that we're going to spend, you know, we've been teaching through the book of Acts. We're going to pause for six weeks and then get back into the book of Acts. But... We're going to be talking about relationships, and we're going to be gaining wisdom from God's Word for our relationships in these next six weeks. And we're going to look at our relationships and our roles. And so this uh, series is called Rated E. It's for everyone, because we all have relationships. Everyone has relationships, and relationships we're longing for. And so let's go to God's Word. Let's go to the storehouse of divine wisdom the living truth, and look at God's word and get wisdom from God's word about how we can pursue holy and healthy and happy relationships. And today, we're going to get wisdom from God on friendships. Like, who's your closest friends? I mean, how many close friends can you really have? Who who are your genuine friends? Who are the friends that stick with you through the highs and the lows the peaks and the valleys, and do you have friends that uh, stuck with you through all the difficult things you've been through, and are you the kind of friend that sticks with your friends through the highs and the lows and the peaks and the valleys and when it gets tough and when it's easy? And how can we experience happy and healthy and holy friendships, friendships that stick? Well, we're going to be going through God's Word, but we're especially going to be going into the book of Proverbs 
Proverbs has some wisdom. What I like about Proverbs is God will give you like a sentence and you just sit there and marinate on it and, marinate on it and go, wow, that's deep. Proverbs are so rich. If you read a chapter of Proverbs, you, just, you go like on overload. You know, your brain starts to flip breakers because there's like, there's so much there. And so we're going to look at some Proverbs over the next six weeks and gain wisdom from God from the Proverbs on how to be relationally holy and healthy and happy. And so the proverb for today I want to take you to is Proverbs 18.24. So open up your Bibles. We hope that all of you bring your own Bible to church, man. We believe that God will speak to you through his word. Don't just take my word for it or whoever's communicating. We want you to see it with your own eyes. The authority of God exists in his word. It's not the person opening the word, it's the word. And so we want to open up the Word ourselves and see God's Word. So hopefully all of you bring your Bibles or you have a Bible device uh, app on your device that you can um, open up to. If you're here today and you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one for free. Stop by the Information Center on the way out, get one. We'll put the words on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible in your hands today. But I want to look at Proverbs 18.24, and I want if, to encourage you that if you have an a, a app or the physical Bible, underline it, highlight it, let it stand out. Uh, if I'm going to be totally transparent and play all my cards, I'm going to want you to memorize this Bible verse today, all right? I want it to get, I want it to get locked in, all right? So, so let's look at Proverbs 18.24. Here's what the Lord tells us. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In a nutshell, a true friend sticks. A true friend sticks. And I want to say right now, when you look at this verse, we're going to ring it out a little bit here in the next few minutes. Uh, there's a distinction in a couple of the words. This is where the value of looking at the original language is so huge. There's a distinction between the word companions and the word friend. There are two different words in the Hebrew language in the original writings. The word in the Hebrew for companions is reah. It's reah. It means a fellow person. We would probably say an acquaintance, all right? But the word friend in the Hebrew is the word ahav, ahav. And it's one who loves you. It's one who we would say is a good friend, a close friend, maybe even a best friend. And so you've got your reahs, companions, and you've got your ahavs, who are the friends. Now, the one who's surrounded by a lot of reah may come to ruin. And the, and the original language there, the word ruin means to literally uh, receive injury. Receive injury, like, wow, I mean, having a lot of acquaintances can be bad for you? Well, sure, it depends on how hard you're leaning on those acquaintances, right? And so a man of many reah may come to ruin. A person with a lot of acquaintances is setting themselves up for trouble to injure themselves. Uh, we know this, time and trials reveal your true friends, do they not? Man, time and trials, like what you go through, and, and, and the length of time that you have with your friends, those reveal your true friends. They re reveal your true uh, haves, if you will. And not everyone will be, nor should everyone be, our closest friends. Really, we only have a capacity for a few. And we need to invest heavily in those relationships. And so there are a lot of people who will line up to be your friend, right? We know this. We've experienced this since we were kids. Uh, and they'll line up to be your friend if you have something to offer them, right? Money, popularity, fun experiences, just to play, just to drink, just to get high, just to fill the air with words, just, just a warm body, a companion to uh, keep the loneliness at bay. There's a lot of people lining up like that. 
And so we need to ask ourselves, are our friends around us drawn to who you are as a person, or are they drawn to what you offer them? Are your closest friends people who are wanting something from you, or are your closest friends people who want something for you? you got to ask yourself this when you're talking about your friends. And so if we're merely surrounded by a multitude of shallow friendships, ones that are collected too quickly, or the connections are made eagerly without really looking into their character, we will eventually find that those people will not be there when we need them most. They will abandon us. They will desert us. They will not stick with us through the long haul or when it gets tough. Because the true friend sticks, but the companions don't. They don't stick. They don't stick around. So happy friendships and healthy friendships and holy friendships are really about the quality of the friendship, not the quantity of the friends you have. There's quality friends, and then there's quantity friends. There are friends who like to snorkel with you. They like to just hang out on the surface. They got the little tube. They just want to hang out on the surface. They can get deep for a few minutes, and then they pop back up. They can't. Then your friends who like to scuba, man, will put on the air tanks. Some friends have bigger tanks than others, you know, and they'll dive down, and they'll hang down low and deep for a long time. You got to know who are your snorkel friends, who are your scuba friends, who are your quality friends, who are your quantity friends, who are the friends that want something for you, who are your friends who want something from you, who are the friends who are drawn to you for who you are, who are the friends who are drawn to you for what you can do for them. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Well, how does it lead to injury if we invest in the wrong friends? Think about it. If you rely on the unreliable, if you trust in those who are untrustworthy, if you invest yourself in the unfriendly and the unfaithful, then you're setting yourself up to get hurt. Because those who are insincere, those who are shallow, those who are disingenuine, those who maybe even have good intentions that won't deliver eventually cause pain in our lives. So we have to be wise and we have to be cautious. Uh, one of the things that I think of with this um, is and most of us have probably had this experience. Uh, for those of us who haven't, we've had the joy of being there when it happens. How many of you have sat in a plastic or resin chair and one of the legs broke? And next thing you know, your feet are in the air and everyone around you is cracking up, right? It's happened to me. I know it's happened to some of you. Um, my kids love to sit. And I'm a leaner. Anyone else a leaner? That makes it even worse, right? Lean back on those back two legs. I'm always looking at my kids going four on the floor, four on the floor, you know? And uh, if you've ever been on the back of those chairs, because here's the deal. If you lean on this plastic or resin chair that has a lack of integrity in one of the legs, eventually when you go to lean on it, it can't support you and it gives way. A man of many companions may come to ruin, right? If you lean on the wrong people, eventually the lack of integrity in that relationship will give way and you can get hurt. But there's a second part of this verse, right? But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's look at that. Uh, there's a true friend, a loving friend. These are your uh, haves in your life. This is a genuine and reliable friend who's united to you. Now, Let's not get misled. We're not talking about a perfect friend. We're not talking about a flawless friend. We're talking about people that are going to disappoint you, um, but they're going to stick with you through time. And they're going to stick with you through distance, and they're going to stick with you through change of circumstances, and they're going to stick with you through the ups and the downs and the good and the bad, and when it's easy, when it's tough. And the good friends are going to celebrate with you when there's things in your life to celebrate. They're not going to be jealous of you. They're going to celebrate with you. The, the true friends are going to be those who suffer with you, 
They're not going to scatter like cockroaches with the light when something bad happens in your life. They're going to be drawn to you. They're going to want to come to you and try to comfort you and be there for you. They're going to suffer with you, and they're going to be willing to sacrifice for you. So a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's one who will stick closer, a friend who will stick closer than a brother. And that word sticks means to adhere, like glue, like cement. They're going to stick with you. And so sometimes a genuine friendship has a connection, an attachment, as this verse says, that might even be stronger than your siblings. And some of you are like, well, that's not a problem. You know, there's that phrase, blood stick in the water, blood stick in the water, which that phrase is taken out of context anyways if you research it. But the bottom line is family over friends, family over friends. And there's definitely a unique, fierce loyalty that we have to our family and should have for our family. Um, but here's the thing. That whole phrase, blood stick in the water, isn't really true. All you need to do is get to know some, uh, a family who God has grown through adoption to debunk that statement, right? And family makes family. And so you'll always have a unique bond with siblings. You'll always have a unique you know, connection and loyalty with your family. But here's the thing. You didn't necessarily get to choose your family, right? If you're a sibling, they just kind of came with the whole family deal, right? And so you just had to learn how to love them and learn how to get along and learn how to fight over clothes and fight over rooms and fight over toys or fight over whatever, right? You just had to learn how to love each other in the midst of that. But your friends, you get to choose those. And they get to choose you. There's a mutual selectivity taking place, something that we mutually find interest in common ground. It's voluntary. It's reciprocal. And so friendships that stick operate out of a mutual love for one another. They have a mutual trust. There's mutual interest. There's mutual transparency. There's mutual vulnerability. There's mutual benefits. There's uh, those people in your life that um, they're wanting to be with you and you're wanting to be with them. You know, it's interesting, if you're always on the receiving end of a friendship, if you're the one always talking and you're the one always taking, then maybe you're not really the kind of friend that sticks. And if you've got people in your life that they're always on the receiving end, and they're always the one talking and they're always the one taking, they might not be the kind of friend that sticks. You've got to evaluate by God's word the wisdom of who your friends are and who they really are. Because if we're going to be really honest... Some of us here are sucking the life out of other people. I just saw about five of you go like this. But a lot of us are having the life sucked out of us by other people. And some, I see some of you going, yeah. And, and there's, there's an appropriate time and place for giving energy to our friends. But then there's a line where it crosses unhealthy, unholy, and it's definitely going to make you unhappy. And so we have to understand what it means to be a true friend. And so these are not happy relationships, and they're not healthy relationships when they're in that situation. Now, healthy doesn't mean without tension. Let's get that straight. Healthy doesn't mean lack of conflict or lack of pain. Friendships can get messy, right? A good friend can cause trouble, and a good friend can help protect you from trouble. But we have to understand the heart and the motive of our friends. Uh, another proverb, it's not the primary one we're looking at today, but another proverb that really speaks to this is found in Proverbs 27, which, by the way, Proverbs 27 has several good verses related to friendship. If this is kind of a wetting your whistle for, like, friendship, man, look at Proverbs 27. There's some great stuff in there. But Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, says this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
And we all have people in our lives who just butter us up. They flatter us. They just tell you what you want to hear. Um, they're always talking positive. Ne- there's nothing negative. They're afraid of conflict. They're afraid of tension. You know, uh, a phrase I heard a long time ago, I've shared it before about flattery. Flattery is like perfume. Smell it, don't drink it, all right? Um, because it can do damage. But a real friend, a true friend, the uh, 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 haves in our life, they're going to be willing to go there. They're going to be willing to risk a little discomfort because they love you, because they want a healthy relationship. And so they'll have some of the difficult conversations. Um, and if, if you're that kind of friend, you're going to want to go there, and it doesn't mean you're judging, you're not condemning, you're trying to identify and bring something to light that needs to be talked about. Think about it this way. A true friend will not stab you in the back. They're going to stab you in the front. And then they're going to stick with you to dress the wound. See? See, that's a true friend. A true friend will stab you right in the heart, look at you in the eyes and say, I love you for it, and then they'll help you go through healing. That's a true friend. And that's going to test your friendship. And a man of many companions won't have that. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother that will help provide that. And so we need to make sure we're not talking about tension-free, right? And so it's pleasing to God to be a friend who sticks and to have friends who stick. Everybody wants happy relationships. Everybody wants healthy relationships. But most people miss the connection with having a holy relationship. Again, do I approach my friendships in a way that actually first pleases God? Is the way I approach my friendship pleasing to God more than it's pleasing to me and more than it's pleasing to the other people? Does God smile down on the way I'm approaching my friends? Is he giving me a thumbs up? Is he hitting like on the way that I treat my friends? Is it a holy relationship? And holiness should be a motivator for us to be good friends. You know, the Bible has given us some great examples of friendships that stick and friendships that offer this way. Uh, For those of you who've been around the Bible for a while, you know in 1 Samuel, one of the amazing friendships we've seen in the Bible is between David and Jonathan, right? David, this young shepherd boy who God anointed to be the next king of Israel, the current king of Israel, Saul, has a son named Jonathan. Saul gets jealous of David and feels threatened by him, but Jonathan and David hit it off, and their hearts are knit together. They're besties, man. They love each other. They care for each other. It's a bond that's stronger than blood. And, and they have this amazing friendship. And God's the centerpiece of their relationship. And because they feel accountable to God and that relationship's holy, it makes the relationship healthy, which made the relationship happy. And even though they had difficult things happen in it, it was a relationship that God could smile upon. I think even of Job's friends. For those of you who are familiar with Job, you're going, time out. Job's friends, Really? Because if you're familiar with the story of Job, this is the story where God allows this man to lose everything except the very breath in his life, right? All his, all his family, all his belongings, his wealth, his health, everything, he's gone. He's in a pile of ashes, scraping sores on his body, and his friends show up. Now, on one hand, God gives them a spanking for long and off-base speeches, Right? So Job's friends are totally off base in you know, what they're saying and how long they're saying it, but I think they get a bad rap and it's overshadowing some elements that make them good friends. The, the three of them came when Job was suffering. Like he was a hurting guy and they showed up when he was hurting. And you know what they did? They just sat there for seven days. Talk about awkward. Have a friend show up to your house today and just sit there for seven days without saying anything. 
Of course, that's how it is nowadays. Just get on your device and hang out with each other. You can knock that out pretty easy, you know? What's your score? I don't know. What's your score? You know? Hold on. I've got, you know. Seven days, they sat there, and they just wept with him. They entered into his pain. They sympathized with him. They gave him the, the best thing that he needed at that time, just, just, just the presence of a friend. And then they started running at the mouth, and that's a whole other story. But I, other than that, they were good friends. Hey, look no further than the ultimate friend. Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of how to even live out this proverb, right? Man, a man of many companions will um, come, may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than brother. Jesus multitude of people always following him, right? Thousands. He knew their hearts. He knew they weren't all there for him. They wanted something from him, right? And so he knew the hearts of the multitudes. And because of that, he pulled 12 of them really close, right? He invested you know, for three years in 12 people out of the giant crowd. And out of that 12, what did he do? He pulled in three even closer. And if you look a little closer, there's probably even one that stands out above them. One disciple known as the the disciple that Jesus loved. And so Jesus is modeling this. He knew the hearts of the crowd. He brought in a smaller circle of friends. And in that smaller circle, he brought in even closer another circle. And even out of that circle, we knew that one betrayed him. And he knew that. But look what Jesus said to these guys in John chapter 15, verses 12 to 15. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. Man, what a beautiful moment for those disciples to be sitting with Jesus, and he goes, you know what? You're servants in one sense because you serve my kingdom, but I'm no longer just calling you servants. I'm going to call you my friends. Why? Because I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And I know that you're willing to lay down your life for me. And I know that you're willing to lay down your life for one another. And I no longer am keeping secrets from you, but now I'm telling you everything that the Father has told me. I'm downloading everything. Why? Because I can trust you. Outside of Judas, Jesus knew that these men were trustworthy, that he could tell them what was on his heart and his mind and could instruct them and guide them and all these things. And he demonstrated, he didn't just talk about sacrifice and suffering, he demonstrated Jesus laid down his life for his friends. Not only that, Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. He took it to a whole other level, right? And so we look at Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who came to earth to die on the cross for the sins of mankind, who rose from the grave to give us eternal life, that we're not going to heaven unless we have a friendship with Jesus. And we know him and he knows us. We're not going to be able to experience God in a real, tangible way unless we're in a personal, intimate relationship, friendship, if you will, with Jesus. Now, it's the missing link for so many people. And you can't have holy relationships that will be healthy relationships, that will be happy relationships, unless you have a relationship with Christ. It's so essential. Without Jesus as your best friend, what you have to offer your friends is limited. There's something missing. And if your friends don't know Jesus, they have less that they have to offer you. It's limited. I mean, think about this for a second. If I love God, and if I live to please God, and if I'm storing up God's word in my heart, and you're my close friend, then what is good and pleasing to God will flow out of my life into yours. 
If I'm a person of prayer and you're my close friend, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be talking to God about you. I'm going to be a person you can call me up and would you pray for me? I'm going to be able to pray with you. In fact, if I'm a true friend, I'm going to look at you and go, how can I pray for you? Something's going on. My spidey sense is going off, you know. True friends, we know how we can pray for one another. If I'm a friend that's centered on Christ, then I'm going to be lifting you up to the Lord. And if I love Jesus, then I'm going to want to love you like Jesus loved me. Who wouldn't want that in their friendship? And so a holy friendship is going to make a healthier friendship, which can make a happier friendship. And if we mutually want to please God, then um, we will build each other up. We're going to give good, godly, soundly advice that's coming from God's word. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to encourage one another's spiritual growth. We're going to strengthen each other. We're going to sharpen each other. We're going to probably serve Christ side by side. And on top of that, if that's not enough, we're going to get to be in heaven together forever. Like some of you have friends who you're not going to spend eternity with because they don't know Jesus. And you haven't had the guts to tell them yet. And you see those scenarios, and I don't necessarily think this is going to happen, but like, what if it did? What if in eternity, these people had a chance to come to you and go, why didn't you ever tell me? Why didn't you ever tell me about, well, I didn't want to make it awkward. Oh, yeah, like, it's not awkward now. Well, you get to go to heaven, and I go to hell. That's awkward. Man, like, we get to spend eternity with our friends, I think about dear friends that, you know, I moved or they moved or were scattered. Some of them have died and gone on. I'm going to see them again. And we're going to be able to be friends for eternity in heaven because we both mutually love Jesus and have a relationship with Christ. Now, who wouldn't want that in their friendship? And how will that not possibly make my relationship more holy, more healthy, and more happy? And so finding and being a true friend who sticks close no matter what is what we all need because a true friend sticks. A true friend like my friend Bruce. Obviously, I I can't prepare for a message like this without evaluating my friendships. And I'm just blessed to think about men in my life that have been outstanding friends. And Bruce is one of them. And I was talking to him um, yesterday a little bit via text. And uh, the story with Bruce is that he and I met at, uh, the church I was at previously in California. I was a youth pastor, and he first came, and that's he and his wife, Marie, um, right there. Um, when he first came, he was a face in the crowd at the church, and then he started serving in our student ministry. And then after a while, we just started hanging out together. We started connecting. We, we found ourselves finding conversation easy and encouraging and challenging. And pretty soon, we were friends. And that friendship just started to grow. And it grew where we, we, we were able to share things you know, that we're vulnerable, that we wouldn't share with other people. We found that we could trust one another. We mutually loved the Lord so we could go to God's word together. We would pray with each other, still can pray with each other. Um, and we, man, we had moments where we laughed together, we cried together. There were a couple of very dark seasons in his life. There were some difficult seasons in my life where God used us when we couldn't talk to other people to help encourage us and build us up. And eventually, um, Bruce came to me and said, hey, I'm, I'm moving moving to Colorado. And he, it's interesting because he's a large animal vet. I'm a pastor. Like, what do we have in common? Like, I don't want to sit and talk about cows and horses. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't necessarily want me to sit there and talk about sheep all day. (laughs) Some of you. 
But yet we can find it, we've just related so well. And even some of the, the even though our jobs are very different, the, there was unifying principles that just knit our hearts. And so when he came to me one day and said, I'm, I'm going to build a dairy, I'm going to start a dairy in Colorado. I was like, what? Man, it, it's sad when a good friend moves, right? And then, you know, within the next couple of years, we moved out of California. And for anyone in this room or online who's moved, you know that phrase that we say with our friends, we'll stay in touch. It's really a phrase of good intentions, isn't it? But see, a true friend will stick. They'll stick through the distance. They'll stick through the time. And so over the last few years, uh, we've had a chance to just really connect. Uh, Rika and I had a chance to go to Colorado, and we got to visit his dairy that he built and just see my friend's hard work you know, manifested in, into something uh, amazing. Uh, they came out here a few years ago and got to see CVC and visit and hang out. In fact, I'm actually going there next week. He's invited me to come and speak at the men's retreat at his church, and so I'm going to go get to see him uh, next week. I'm excited about that. And, and one of the advantages for me is the time change here. So when I'm leaving here Sunday nights or leaving here after elder meetings at Odark 30, I'm picking up the phone because everyone else is two to three hours behind me, right? And I'm getting to call people and visit. So he and I talk all the time on the phone and connect and all that. He's been a friend that's stuck. And I'm grateful because I believe he sees me as a friend who's stuck as well. In fact, I asked him a little bit about our friendship uh, in relation to this message. And here's just some thoughts he shared with me. So tell me about your, you know, uh, I asked him a few questions about our friendship from his perspective. He said this, you've been there for me in some of the toughest times of my life. I hope someone can say that about you. You've been there for them in the toughest times of your life. I hope you have people that you can say that about. There's been people who've been present in the toughest times of your life because Bruce has been there for some of the toughest times of my life as well. I like what he says here, and this really brings that, that Christian unity together as well. He says, I'm for you and you're for me. And we're brothers in Christ. Different tastes, different likes, but we're both committed to fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. This plays out in a common bond, and we love to have fun. And he shared some parentheses there that I'm not sharing with you right now. <laughs> and I have never felt judged, just accepted, and wanted, and liked for who I am. Then he referenced a couple of very challenging seasons that we walked through life together, and he says, you walked with me and my wife through that dark time. And then he said, you know me, and you know my heart, and you can be candid with me. Not many people have the moxie to be candid with me. I've had a chance to stab him in the front a few times. And he's had a chance to stab me in the front plenty of times. And it's made us stronger friends. And it's helped our friendship stick. And as we talked about growth areas, one thing he acknowledged and I acknowledge too is we both just have a lot of demands in our life, a lot of busyness. And we acknowledge that there's still room to connect and just scuba a little bit more even though we're miles apart. I'm just grateful for a friend like Bruce. Because through tough times and trials, he's been a friend who's stuck with me and I with him. I hope you have a Bruce in your life. I hope you are a Bruce in someone else's life. Because true friends stick. Here's what I want to do. As we wrap up this time today, I want to give you some questions to reflect on. First is, do you seek to please God in your friendships? When you think about all your friendships, is your primary goal to please God in how you approach your friendships. That's, that's what you need to do. And so you need to learn what's pleasing to God. Are you a friend that sticks? If not, how do you need to grow in order to say yes? And are you a friend who's sticking through the distance and sticking through the ups and downs? And if not, then what needs to improve in your life 
so that someone can talk to you, talk about you the way my friend was able to talk about me and I can talk about him? Do you have unlimited access to their life? Do you have a good friend in your life that sticks? And do they have unlimited access to your life? Your truest friends have an all-access pass to your life. And you, as a true friend, should have an all-access pass to someone else's life. True friend sticks. And then here's just a couple of action steps that maybe you can take from today. First, again, memorize Proverbs 18.24. I think it calls us to action and it calls us to understanding. Let's test drive it. Let's see if you can remember it. Some of you know cheating. No cheating. Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's try it again. But a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I think memorizing God's word helps call us to action and helps us filter the action of others. Also, get in touch with a true friend to thank them. Maybe there's someone that's been going through your mind right now as I've been talking. When's the last time you just reached out and said thank you? When's the last time you just reached out and said thank you for being that friend? Some of you are, are, are feeling loneliness right now because maybe that friend's passed or there's been a friendship that's dissolved a bit or just tension. You know what? Pray that God makes you a friend that sticks and gives you friends who will stick. That God will either restore that friendship or provide new ones that fit this description. Another thing, just in case you didn't know, we have a study guide uh, for all these messages. It's online. Do the study guide this week in your life group. Just have great Topical conversation about friendships. Looking at, I, I gave you more verses about friendship in the, in the study guide. Go to it. Look at it. And if you're already studying something else in your life group, then you know what? Print it out. Dust it off. Look at it on your devices. And just get together with a couple friends in a huddle and go through it. And let it enrich your friendship. These are just some action steps that you can take from here and move into action from here. Because a true friend sticks. You pray with me. Jesus, first off, we thank you for being the friend who never leaves, who always sticks. And Lord, I pray for anyone here that still needs you as their best friend, as their savior, that they would turn from the self and turn to you, come to you in belief that you died on the cross for their sins and rose from the grave to conquer sin and death. They would come to you in brokenness and need and choose to follow you today. Lord, thank you for the good friends you provide in our lives. Lord, thank you for those friends that are going through the hearts and minds of people right now, Lord. Would you bless those friends? Would you allow them to continue to be a friend who sticks? Lord, I pray for all the men and women and boys and girls right now watching live and in this room. God, that you would call us to be the friend who sticks, that we would be holy in how we approach our friendships. And Lord, we would experience healthier and happier friendships because of it. So God, we offer you our lives. We offer you our friendships. Lord, we offer you these very gifts that we're about to receive. God, we ask that you would take them and multiply them for the use of your kingdom so that more people can experience new life in Christ. So God, take us and help us to appreciate our friendships and be that friend who sticks. In Jesus' name, we all said together.